It is a privilege to come in here and uh, to be with you guys, the worship team. Thank you. And uh, also to spend this time with you. If you're new with us, we'd like to extend an extra warm welcome, and uh, we're just glad you're here. We've been going through the book of Revelation, and we just finished kind of chapter 2 and 3, where we've looked at the seven churches. And if you're new with us, the second thing you should know is I'm not Pastor John. My name is Rob, and I serve in student ministries with our junior high and our high school department. Um, so it's, it, it, not only is it a good weekend to be here because of the worship and, and you guys, but it's Memorial Day. And I'd like to take some time uh, this morning, uh, just a few minutes, to recognize the men and the women who have served, who have lost their lives for our country. This weekend, we celebrate Memorial Day, which was set up as a day when Americans would gather together, they would remember, they would recognize the family and friends who gave their lives to bring us the freedom that we enjoy. So we want to say thank you real quick to all the families who would be uh, in, in that circle. So thank you, guys. Also encourage you on that same line is to just maybe take some time this weekend and uh, just throughout your week to think about the families who have members or the people who are actively serving in our military who give so much. I have a cousin who is serving right now. So I've asked you, how are you doing this morning? You've said good. That's, that's good. We're good. We're just going along well. What if I asked you another question? What if I asked you, who do you think you are? It's an interesting question. It's a simple question. There's a lot of ways to, to answer, to reply to this question. Who do you think you are? In a way, it could almost be received as a little abrasive. That's not what I meant or mean by that this morning. But who do you think you are? Lots of ways to answer this question. One thing I've discovered, unscientific research on myself, is that the way we answer this question, who are we, varies. It changes all the times depending on our circumstances, depending on who we're with, where we're at. Who do you think you are? It's an interesting question. I just got back from a 10-day business trip this week, and I made multiple airplane flights. Maybe you can relate. Sitting on the airplane, the flight attendant just gets done telling us how to buckle and unbuckle our seatbelts. And you get in conversation with somebody to either side of you. So, are you going home? No, I'm leaving. Oh, where are you going? Work or business? Or uh, work or pleasure, right? And you get in this dialogue. Oh, uh, is it a conference? Sales. And, and right, you do this whole explanation, which I call this the airplane explanation of who I am. How long do you live in Orange County? Oh, the weather's great out there. You're governor. I mean, right, the, the airplane explanation of who we are. Or we could look at another scenario, the conference room explanation, those business meetings. You're sitting across the table, and, and it's about to start, and they ask, so who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get going. Oh, uh, this is my name, and this is my title, and, and here's what I've done in the company, and for, for how long I've done it. Here, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's where we would like to go. Right? We answer, who do you think you are? We answer that a lot of different ways, depending on a lot of different things. My favorite one. If you have kids, I would imagine you can relate. The sports field, right? The moms sit in their chairs with the umbrellas, but us dads, that ain't cool. We gather to the side of the umbrellas, right? Just getting to know the other guys. So which one's yours? Mine? Two ponytails, pink ribbon, sleeves rolled up, number 13, Kaylin. Yeah, she's mine. That's who I am. Oh, and that's, that's my wife over there, Beth. Yeah, we live off Kellogg, lived there for six years. First year on the team? No, we've been in the league four years, right? This whole explanation of who we are depending upon who we're with and where we're at. This morning I want to ask us, who, who do you think you are? N not on this surface level that changes. Rob at church. Hi, I'm Rob. I help with 180. Junior high and high school ministries. Been at the church for seven years. Under John's teaching my whole life. Not those superficial answers. Who do you think you are? So often it's as if we have these pre-programmed pitches that we like to spew out of our, our mouth to answer the question based upon our current environment. Based upon where we find ourselves. 
And, and those, those answers are normally answers we're comfortable with. We like presenting those. Uh, here, here, this looks good. Here, here, this is, th- th- look at this. But I want to ask you this morning, is that the truth? Who do you think you are? We want to get deeper here. Is that really who you think you are? Deep down in your gut. I think often it's not. It reminds me of mannequins. Kind of a bizarre thing, really. Think of the mall at a department store. These mannequins, when they get to the mall, they all look the same. What do they do? They position them differently in different departments based upon who they're going to attract to, based upon the season, and they dress them all different. And in a way, we do the same thing. We skin ourselves. We present ourselves totally different based upon where we're at, who we're trying to appease to, what, what, what kind of um, environment we're in. So I want to go deeper than that. The other thing we'll do is then, then we'll give ourselves titles. Right? And we think, all right, who am I? I'll answer that. I'll answer it with a title. When we're younger, we, we give great answers. I'm a student. I'm going to school, the university. That sounds great. Who doesn't like that answer? Parents, my kids are going to school. I spend a lot of time working with this age group. And it's different for everyone. It looks different all the time. But so often what I find out is they say that, and it looks good. That's a great plaque. But what we find out is that inside is, I don't know why I'm going to school. I don't even like school. I think the only reason I'm doing it is to please my parents. But heaven forbid we wouldn't want anyone to know that. Or we could even be more real. A lot of times it's, and I'm going to drop half my classes next week. We could even go more real than that. And and it's different for everyone. And the reality is, is I'm cheating through almost all my classes. It's different for everyone. I'm just saying, we give ourselves these titles. Heaven forbid we'd want anyone to know this. What we'll say is, I'm a student. or, Or I'm a professional. I've got a great job. That looks great. This is what I'm going to present. Who am I? I'm a professional. And that's what we want to present. That's how we want to answer these types of questions. We're in the reality, and it looks different for everyone. We might be thinking, and I hate my job. I never wanted this job. I I thought I was going to do so much more with my life. This doesn't fit my potential. They don't understand me and utilize me. Who do you think you are? Down deep. Not the, I'm a professional, and maybe the truth is, the fact of the matter is I've been slacking for the last three years, giving the minimal amount of effort I can to keep my job. Who do you think you are? Not the title. I'm a social person. That's who I am. I'm social. I'm energized by being around people. Not that. Again, we can say these things, they look great, but, but so often, and it's different for everyone, sometimes the real truth of the answer is, I really just still like to party. Maybe we could go deeper than that. The, really, the reality is, I might be just trying to hide an addiction, but I'm going to call it social. Who do you think you are? Us guys, the great answer for this is, I like the outdoors. I'm an outdoors kind of guy. Right? And that sounds good. It's one of those plaques that looks good. Who am I? I'm an outdoors guy. I like nature. But maybe the reality is what we never tell anyone, and it looks different for all of us, the reality is we know that we spend much too much time inside on the computer looking at content that's totally inappropriate. The level, the depth we're trying to get to this question, who do you think you are? See, what we say often doesn't match with what we really know. Normally, these two things are are totally different, and they hardly connect. And yes, it looks different for each one of us, but the reality is, if we're going to be honest with each other this morning, we all struggle with this to one degree or another. Even as believers. The identity of who we really are. The, 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 the reality of answering that question. And you know what? It starts to wear on us. It can start to guilt us. It can even start entangling us. And if we're not careful, it can feel like it's taking us over. And the end result is we can become paralyzed little Christians. And you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants. A whole church full of people who don't understand who they are. 
that have now become paralyzed. See, the enemy knows that, that if we don't have a clear answer to that question, if we're not rock solid without, without wavering, he knows that eventually we are going to lose our hope. And he knows with no hope is going to come no growth spiritually. And with no growth is going to cause no impact. And no impact will create no passion. And with no passion, there's going to be no concern. With no concern, there's going to be no love. With no love, there's going to be no effect. It's just complacency is what he wants. The importance of knowing who we are, it's easy to forget. Even as believers, it's easy to forget, but we ought not to forget who we are. In fact, it is a critical thing that we have a strong understanding of the answer of that question. And that is what we're going to look at today. We're going to find the amazing answer to that in God's Word. If you would, please turn to your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5. Now, the epistle of 1 John has a very clear-cut purpose. The, the, the book in itself is written to demonstrate how we might know that we are Christians. If you read this book, it, it shows us ways that we can actually see in our lives by how we're living that we are born again, that we are in Christ. In fact, if you want to see the key, it's not the verse we're studying, but it, it's the key to the whole epistle. It's chapter 5, verse 13. Give us some context. It's at the end of the book. And, and John, he says, these things I've written, speaking to the, the, the prior part of the book, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a letter to provide assurance of our salvation. Today's text is going to be 1 John chapter 5, but we're going to be looking at the first five verses. And within these five verses, there's a special note for me and you, and it has to deal with the issue of overcomers. If you would, I'll read, and if you'll follow along, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Whoever, one, believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and whoever, two, loves the Father, loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God, and three, observe His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So right now he's qualifying us in the first three, saying there's three attributes, characteristics that should be in your life if you are born again. You should love God. Or you should believe God and His Son. You should love God and people, and you should obey and keep His commandments. And those would be indicators that you are born again in Christ. And that's important because we're going to carry on to verse 4. So with that in mind, verse 4. For whatever is born of God, it says, note this word, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Interesting, by faith, if we believe, love, and obey Christ, we are overcomers. Verse 5, he is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus, or I'm sorry, who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if you're at all like me, these verses really intrigue me, draw my attention. I can't help but ask, what does overcomers really mean? And this looks pretty interesting. I, I, in, in faith, if, if, we, if we believe, if we, if we love and obey Christ, we're born again, and, and we're made an overcomer. What does this mean? And I want to talk about this word a little bit this morning. It's a wonderful word, and it's a word that needs definition in our mind and our heart. We need to view ourselves. We're asked that question. We should view ourselves. Who, who do you think you are? I'm an overcomer. This word, this, this understanding has immense implications for us, as you will see. And I'm sure that most of you are aware that there's a lot of wonderful titles in the, in the New Testament for, for us Christians. The most common one is, is Christians. Did you know that this was a term that was actually used in the ancient times in a mocking way? People who followed Jesus, little Christians, little Jesuses. 
It was used by the pagans to make fun of us. But it's kind of what stuck, and it'd be the general term that we're all used to. But there's a lot of terms in scriptures. I'm going to share some with you. We're called children. Within that, we're called children of light, children of day, children of obedience. We're called believers and faithful, friends of Jesus, brothers and sisters, sheep, saints, and holy ones. We're called soldiers and witnesses and stewards, fellow citizens, lights in the world, the elect and the chosen. We're called ambassadors and ministers, servants and disciples, heirs and joint heirs, branches in the vine, members of the body, living stones, temples, beloved, and followers. There's more. But in a sense, all those terms give us a a definition of who we are. It kind of takes all those terms to express the fullness of what it means to belong to God through faith. I suppose we could say the significance of all those terms sums up the the total description, the total definition of, of what it means for us to be in Christ. But there's one title that's not generally a part of this short list that you hear people refer to. And that is the term that we saw used a number of times in the text we just read, overcomers. We are overcomers. In 1 John chapter 5, we see it twice in verse 4, identifying us as those who have overcome the world. And then we see it once again in verse 5. If you've been with us for the last three months, as we've been doing our study in Revelations in these churches, it's also a word that we've seen used in all seven of the churches. I don't know if you noticed that. Every single church. And actually, John has referenced 1 John 5, 1 through 5, probably five or six times. I would like to look at those references in Revelation so we can tie this together. If you would, turn in your Bibles, Revelation 2, 7. This was the first church that we studied, Ephesus. Revelation 2, 7. It starts off with, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Hmm. Doesn't sound too bad. Second church, Revelation 2.11, Smyrna. says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Sounds pretty reassuring. Third church. Revelation 2.17, Pergamum. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Sounds intimate. Fourth church we've studied, Thyatira, Revelation 2.26. Again we see it, he who overcomes... And he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I'll give authority over the nations. Revelation 3, 5, the fifth church, Sardis. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not, this is good news, I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Sixth church, Philadelphia, Revelation 3, 12. We see it again. It says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. Side note. If you ever have to be compared to an architectural element, a column is a really cool thing to be called. Back to this, sorry. Seventh church, Laodicea. Revelations 3.21, we see it again. It says, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Oh, we start seeing some of the depth, some of the width, some of the girth to this word overcomes. I'm becoming a little more intrigued. I get it. It says, Through faith in Christ, those who, who believe, who love, and obey are born again. It also says that we we overcome. We are overcomers. This is such a descriptive word. If you'd like to use another term, you could use the term victors. If yet you'd like to use another term, maybe a little bit more contemporary, you could use the term winners. We are winners in Christ. 
Very descriptive word. The word here for overcomers in the Greek is nikeo. And it means to conquer. Nikeo, it means to, to win, to defeat. It means to gain victory. Now the noun form of nikeo is nike. And for some of you that have studied Greek before, the Greek word nike is where you get the English word. Oh, you guys are on top of your Greek. Yes, Nike. It's an interesting word. The, the Greeks at this time, they loved the word Nike. In fact, they even loved it so much they named a goddess after it. Nike, the goddess of victory. Nike, the goddess of triumph. It was a very specific word in their culture, and it was reserved just to be used with gods. Only the gods were capable of becoming indefinitely, without question, triumphant. It was something that was unobtainable by mankind, mere mortals. They knew that, yes, men might have victory here and a, and a triumph here, but mingled in between would be defeat and failure. Th this word's reserved for something that's it's definite, it's, it's absolute, it's not wishy-washy. Nike, they loved it. We too, well, before we go that, I want you to think about knowing that history, knowing the background in this culture that is something so reserved, so unique, the fact that John would have the audacity to call Christians, to sign that title to us. Can you put, put what we know now of the, the culture and put that as a backdrop? Saying, yeah. Their culture knew what Nike meant. And he's saying, he signs it to Christians, in Christ, when you are born again, you are an overcomer. Very interesting word, especially to be used at that time. Well, currently in, in America, the English-speaking language, we still like the word Nike. It's a huge word. Did you know for many, many years that the collection of the United States military missiles have been called the Nike missiles for many years. The overall encompassing group of our missiles, Nike missiles, the missiles that bring victory, the missiles that bring triumph, and there's plenty of countries that could testify to that. Well, and then, of course, we've got our sneakers, right, our tennis shoes, the Nike shoes, the shoes that if you wear in any athletic endeavor you want to enter into, you got a pretty good chance of victory with Nike. If you're around my age, I bet you remember this well. It was about 20 years ago, Nike Air came out. This was a huge deal. When we were at recess, literally, you would, if we were, you know, split up teams to play soccer or whatever, you would want to make sure you balanced out the shoes. You didn't care about the athletic abilities. Too many Nike Airs on one team, it was unfair. So, I mean, these were huge, even to the point, if you remember, they banned Nike Air and the Reebok pumps. They banned them from schools because people were getting beat, thugged, killed for their shoes. You remember that? You couldn't wear them. Nike, we, we, we love the term. Interestingly, even Jesus liked this term, Nike. If you turn to John 16, uh, 33 talking to his disciples. He says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But take courage. I have Nike'd this world. I have overcome. I have victory in this world. Take courage. It's interesting. He just finishes in this setting telling his disciples that he's going to be departing them. And he, and he warns them, afflictions are going to come. It, it isn't going to be easy. He assures them, I'm not going to leave you orphans. In fact, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. It's going to dwell within you. He says, I've spoken these things so you have peace, although I'm promise you, promising you affliction. And then he commands them, take courage. Why take courage? But Jesus is the reason for the courage. He said, I'm overcome this world. I have Nike'd this world. So take courage. I'm leaving you. I'm sending you a helper. A lot of bad stuff's going to happen. It's not going to be easy, but take courage. I've Nike'd it. You're with me. I've overcome it. I've won it out. The conflict with the world is defeated. I've conquered it, and I'm victor victorious over it. 
Now, not only the description of this word is important, but, but um, the tense that it's used in is, is also very important. Nikeo, it is written and used here in the perfect tense. It means that victory at the time of this being said and written was already been, has already been won. It stood complete. Even at the time when Jesus is speaking it, before his crucifixion and resurrection. And I love it. Apostle Paul, if you want to turn to Romans 8.37. This is a great place. He reiterates this promise of provision. And in a sense, he's like, he like shifts gears here, and he just paints it so beautifully. Romans 8, 37. I'll read King James Version first. It says, In all these things we are, listen to this, we are more than conquerors. New American Standard. It says, In all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us see what paul's saying here is now we're not just overcomers we're not just nike now he says we're uber nike he compounds the word and he adds uber which in english would be like saying now you're super conquerors now you're the ultimate conquerors we have, through faith in christ entered into a condition of being unconquerable we are now he says the super conquerors. To put it another way, we're invincible. We are utterly unconquerable. And you might be thinking, okay, that sounds more like we're creating the next super action hero for Marvel. But let's keep reading. I might not be that far off. Look at Romans 8, 38. Right in the next verse, it says, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to set my uber Nikes from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. There is nothing that can conquer us in Christ through faith. Go to look at verse 35. Chapter 8 of Romans, he asks a great question. Well, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Will tribulation? Will distress? Well, then, then how about persecution? No? What about famine? Nakedness? Peril? How about the sword? He says, uh, no, you're super triumphant. You're uber Nike. There's nothing that can conquer us. We're unconquerable. We are the overcomers. And we see the change of our condition. Look at verse 39. It says, At one point we were considered as sheep to the slaughter. We were considered. Who do you think you are? This is, at one time our account was to death. He says, not anymore, if through faith you believe in Christ. He says, now you are Nike. He says, no, wait, you're more than Nike. You're above Nike. You're beyond Nike. You're uber Nike. Such an interesting word. Why don't we use it more? Overcomers. I love quotes. And I found a, a great quote. It was, the British was, was in war with the French. And it was, takes place at the Battle of the Nile, which was an important battle for the war. Lord Nelson was commanding his troops. And in this battle, the, the British destroyed the French. And he comes back to the, the admirals that he was reporting to, and Lord Nelson gives them this report. Quote, unquote. It's great. He says, Victory is, is not large enough word to describe what took place. Can you imagine reporting back to your boss about how you've done, how things are going out in the field? I mean, boss, victory isn't a big enough word. See, Lord Nelson didn't know Uber Nike. This would have been fitting because I would venture to say the same is true with our salvation. Victory isn't a large enough word to describe what's taking place. Uber Nike. So when we speak of victory, it isn't just victory. It's, it's more than that. It's super victory. It's super Nike. As we think about that, as we think about that concept in relationship to a, our Christian blessing, I would like to break it down a bit and, and look what that actually means. 
The first thing it means, and that we can take away from this, is that at the point of our salvation, at the point of when we put our faith, obedience, and trust in Christ, and, and, and He made us into this, at that point, we overcame the powers of Satan. And at that point, uh, we became super conquerors. At that point, we overcame the evil one. Revelations 12, 11, it's the song we just sang. That song is literally almost verbatim right out of the Bible. We overcame him because the blood of the Lamb. And not only are we triumphant over Satan, but we're triumphant over Satan in such a way that results in the eternal heaven. And all that's in heaven becomes ours. We are true victors. Isn't it amazing? As soon as you believe the truth, you defeat his lies. Isn't that incredible? As, as soon as we embrace the power of God, his power is neutralized. And so we're overcomers. We have overcome the evil one. As Paul says to the Romans, he is under our feet. As he says, he, he is a defeated foe. The scriptures say, resist the devil and he will flee from the overcomers, you. He's defeated. He, he, he's vanquished. Not only have we become overcomers of Satan, as powerful as he is, but we also become overcomers in the realm of this world as well. If you look back at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, we've touched some other elements of overcomers. But verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So not only over Satan, not only over sin and, 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 and all that power that he has, but we also become overcomers of the world. It means that the world has no ongoing connection, relationship with us. We're in the world, but it, we're no longer of the world. Have you heard that said before? It's kind of a vague concept. Christians, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Think of uh, engagement rings. Kind of an interesting thing. The symbol that we choose in our culture to represent our union of marriage. So we exchange rings. And women, from what I understand, you love them. That's pretty neat. We got a couple engaged gals at our church, and it, you don't have to look very hard. You can see the glow on their face because they got their ring. And they'll show you it as many times as you want to see it. For us guys, it's a little bit different. It's kind of like, ooh, princess cut versus uh, another cut. I mean, I had no, no idea. I'm just thinking, okay, I don't want to mess this up. So us guys, we try to get creative within all this and, and you know, try to think of a, a fun way to propose and, and ho- we just hope it works. It's one of the few times we'll make such a fool of ourselves. And, you know, we figure, all right, I can afford this much and I better buy one that's this much. And, and we have these wedding rings and they're precious. One of the few things that really define us. We, we, we wear them, and, and they represent kind of a major thing in our life. And there's this value, and it's kind of treasured. And maybe not the most expensive thing you've ever bought, but I bet it's one of the most prized. I mean, if I bet you took the monetary value of your ring and other things that are worth more, you'd give up those before your ring. They're treasured. They're special and unique. One of the few things, if you could only take three things with you out of your house. I bet you want to grab your ring. Very valuable. Ring versus almost any other material item. I mean, probably pick it. But let's, let's put your, the, the ring there, that idea, and then let's put your spouse next to it. What are you going to pick now? You better say the right answer. We're going to have to stay longer if you don't. Right? And now at this point, looking at my spouse in the ring, the decision's real easy. I got my groom. Anything that this ring would mean would only come through the groom. Without the groom, it's just a piece of metal. I, I don't need it. I don't want it. I got the groom. It's way back here. See, people that aren't overcomers in Christ, they think they've got it. They answer this question, who are you? And if they're honest with you, they're broken, they're hollow, they're hurting, and they're searching. 
chasing the ring. They need the groom. And as overcomers, he says, you've overcome the world. It's just a ring to you. You've got now, you're the bride of Christ. Oh, you're an overcomer. You're an Uber Nike. The world's allurement's no longer going to pull your heart because we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. We're drawn by the love of Christ. We're drawn by righteousness, by the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. Yeah, we, we no longer love this world. Very real sense, we who are in Christ have overcome the world. Talk about an overcomer. Overcome Satan, overcome triumphantly, permanently the power of, of sin and the whole kingdom of darkness. We've overcome the demons and all the demonic lies and falsehoods. We've overcome death. And overcoming death, we've also overcome the power of sin. As Christians, we have overcome literally, verse 4 says, chapter 5, 1 John, that as overcomes whatever is born of God overcomes the world also. And remember the tense. We're continually, permanently overcoming. Present tense. We have overcome, we are overcoming, and we will overcome. It's very important. It's habitual. It's permanent. It's, it's ongoing. We are permanently triumphant. We are permanently conquerors, and we can't lose it. The victory can't be taken from us. Yes, we may fall along the way. We may fall victims to the enticements of the world. We may lose some squirmishes here and here, but the great war has been won, and the victory, according to God's word, is completely 100% forever ours. It's a settled fact. It is not to be altered. We have forever been delivered. Colossians 1.13. We have forever been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved son, Uber Nike, overcomers. We're no longer of the world. We're still in it. We don't love the world. I can't think of a, a more wonderful thing than living my life knowing that Satan can't defeat me, that the world can't defeat me, that sin can't defeat me. Even death, it can't defeat me. And you know, this type of message, it's an easier one to give. It's easy to tell you guys that. I can see it. I understand it when I apply it to you. In our student ministries, I can look at our junior hires and high schoolers, and I can see what God's doing in their life. I'm like, yeah, you you got so much potential, so much gift, so much talent. I can't wait to see what the plans are he has for you, and I know they're great. If I could just walk with you in your shadow, that'd be okay. There's marvelous things coming. I believe it. I can see it. I can tell him you're an overcomer. Then I look at my own life. It's a little harder message. Internalize it. I started thinking, do I live my life in a manner that's appropriate? For an overcomer? Do I love my wife in such a way that God would make God pleased because I'm an overcomer? Or more than that, do I love my wife in such a way knowing that she herself is an overcomer? Do I run my household, raise my kids, treat my co-workers? Do I carry out the ministry that I've been commissioned to do by God to serve? in such a manner that is worthy of an overcomer. I sit there and think, oh. And if we're going to be personal and honest with each other this morning, the reality is there's plenty of times where I sit there and find myself going, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Riddled with fear. Not knowing what's right or wrong or what I got into or, or how I should respond or, or act. And I imagine if we're going to be honest this morning that there's plenty of you that could sit there and say, yeah, I get it. That sounds neat. Overcomers, I, I get it, but Rob, you maybe don't understand. You don't, you don't understand my past and what I've done. I know you think you've got past that you've done some bad things. I've done bad things. That's neat, I get it, but I'm telling you, don't imply or, Rob, I get it, that sounds good. But, man, I'm telling you, I am in some seriously deep, hard water. I would have never thought I'm in where I, or I'd be where I'm at. Man, I've been dealt, and I don't want to sound like a complainer, I've been dealt a bad deck of cards. 
And with all the sincerity I can muster up, I can sit there and say, I fully don't understand. I, 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 I hear some of the prayer requests I don't understand. I sit there and think, oh my goodness. What people are going through, the hardships and the hurts. And I know that sometimes I, I don't sit there and look up and say, I feel like an overcomer. I feel victorious. That's what comes to mind. No. But I can stand here and tell you, by the power of God's word, thank God it's not because of who you are and what you've done that makes you an overcomer. And I can say, thank God it's not because who and what I've done that makes me an overcomer. It's because what he has done for us. Yes, I am invincible, but not in myself, in Christ. My sins have been paid for in Christ. The penalty of sin has been paid full in Christ. And it is through Christ I've been granted eternal life. And be given a permanent faith and trust. I have had planted in my heart an affection for the things of God because of Him, not me. I'm trying to decrease my flesh. By God, I've been given a new nature which longs for things that are holy and righteous, good and just. Only because of Him, we can become new creation. And we can know as overcomers that nothing will ever change that. We can know that I have been born and I cannot be unborn. I possess, as an overcomer, as an uber Nike, the, 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 the life of God. And I can say with an honest heart, I don't love this world. As an uber Nike, I can sit there and know that I'm no longer vulnerable to the lying, damning deceptions of this world, saying, you're not good enough, you don't know what to do, what are you doing? And those things are hard, but I can know that I can make it through it. And nothing will ever change that. I'm invincible, and I'm an overcomer. And guess what? It's absolutely nothing for me to be proud of. In fact, it's something for me to be humbled by. I don't deserve it. I did not deserve it when Christ made me an overcomer, and I don't deserve it now because I, with Paul, can agree and say, Oh, wretched man that I am. overcomers who do you think you are you might be asking well if you don't deserve it if there's still sin in your life if occasionally you fall prey to the temptations of the world the allurements of sin and satan then how and then how can it be said you've conquered them it's a good question how can that be said it doesn't make sense and we can say it's been said that we've conquered them because the bible says i've conquered them in christ not through me you're sitting there thinking, but, but, but you're not perfect, I'm not perfect. And I'm sure you look at your life the same way as I look at mine. And most of you don't see on your, within yourself a day-to-day -day, uh, kind of spiritual invincibility. Do you? I mean, I doubt anyone would stand up in this room and say, as for me and sin goes, I am unconquerable. I doubt it. I strongly doubt it. And because no one would do that, I think we could all understand that if we have been put in a category of super conquerors, it is by grace. It is only because of righteousness, not of our own, that has been granted, bestowed, and given to you. And it's been given to you in spite of what you are, not because of it. Repeat that thought, it's great. It is because God in mercy and grace has made you a super conqueror in spite of what you are, not because of it. And so we are overcomers. We're victors. We're conquerors. And guess what? We are that way by biblical definition. You guys want to come back, for, come back up? Names in the Bible. We get our groom. We become his bride. And we get this name, Uber Nike. We get this name, Overcomers. And it's clear to see the connection of, of 1 John and Revelation. He says, with your, with your new name, with, with me as your groom and, and you as my bride, I'm going to make you conquerors and you're going to be conquerors who will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. 
As my bride, I'm going to make you victors who will not be hurt by the second death. As my bride, you're going to be triumphant. You'll be those who receive the hidden manna. You'll be my beloved who received the white stone with the secret little name inscribed on it. As my bride, you will be invincible. You will receive the authorities of the nation. You'll be overcomers whose names will not be erased from the book of life. You'll be Uber Nike, whose names he will confess before God the Father and all the angels. And that's why, in a sense, Satan, this world, illness, even death, are somewhat, ought not to be a threat to us. We ought not find ourselves too overwhelmed by them, too distressed by them, too overtaken with anxiety and, and worry and concern. They're only temporary enemies as, as, as overcomers. They're temporary annoyances. This, the Bible tells us the victory is won, and someday we will enter into the eternal life, and we will be given an inheritance. And that inheritance we will receive alongside of Jesus on the throne next to Jesus and, and God. We will be joint heirs of Christ. Whatever failures come and go here, we conquer victoriously through faith in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, to you we give the praise, to you we are humbled, to you we look at it in awe. It would have been amazing enough if you were just victorious. But the very fact that you would make us victorious is incredible. That you would love us enough, that your grace and mercy would be deep enough to bring us to yourself, to let us be an ambassador of Christ. Lord, I pray that your word penetrates the very core and the fabric that we are made of. Lord, that we can live with this assurance of our faith of who we are in you. We are overcomers. Seated above, throned in the Father's love, destined to die, poured out for all mankind. God's only Son, perfect and spotless one. Never sinned, suffered as if he did. All authority, all authority, every victory is yours. All
declaration together that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. We are super victors. We are uber Nike. We are overcomers. And we do so because of the blood of the Lamb that was shed on the cross. He knew no sin but suffered as if he did. He took our shame. He took our guilt. And he washed it as pure and as white as snow. Let's sing it out together. We will overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. We will overcome. We will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome come on let's lift it up in this place yeah we will overcome by the blood of them word of our testimony everyone Praise God. Have a blessed week. Thank you.